Well, it, I guess it's really a treat because Steve and I both were asked uh, evidently to, to preach tonight. But uh, I, I do want to share God's word with you. I, I know it's something that uh, certainly is relevant, something that's important. I know to everybody that's in this room, certainly teenagers as well, children. It's something that I, I, I learned when I was 14 years old. There was a man that was visiting our church. And I came to church because my girlfriend went to church. And so I was there all the time. She lived in a different town than me, so that's the only place I ever got to really see her was at church. But this man came and he spoke, and what he said, it, 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 when I was 14 years old, it just it touched me. And God began to challenge me on a journey that, that I'm still being challenged on today. And, and that's about the importance of God's word, about the importance of looking at God's word, not just hearing God's word, but reading God's word, memorizing God's word, studying God's word, meditating on God's word. And so my journey, I don't know when yours started, but my journey started when I was 14 years old. And uh, there were periods of time where I left these moments but it was in the leaving of those moments that I found out how important those moments were. Uh, Nick, both times he prayed tonight up here, um, he, he said some things that, that were right in my head at, that, at those particular times. He talked about a challenge, about something. And, and you may be here, maybe you don't have a time a day that you spend alone with God. Um, and maybe I can just challenge you that uh, that kind of time will never, ever be lost, never lost. And so let me just share with you uh, some, some portions out of, God's, out of God's word. Can I pick, will this come up? Will this rise? When you get older, you have trouble seeing, even if you got your reading, that's good. Thank you, sir even if you have your reading glasses on. I'm reminded, I'm reminded of, of, of things that, verses that I've heard along my journey, especially when I, was, when I was young, while I was being challenged about how to live, what to do, what not to do, how to do it, how not to do it, stay away from or cling to. And, and I'm reminded, in the oldest book of the Bible, the book of Job says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. We are the sum total of all our thoughts, yesterday, today, and forever. What we think is really what we become. That's what determines what we speak, and that's what determines what we do. It's here. And the only way to replace bad thoughts, wrong thoughts that we have here, I believe Jesus certainly taught it, but it's in the Old and the New Testament alike, are to meditate on God's word is to replace those wrong thoughts unhealthy thoughts with God thoughts and the only way to do that is to to get it from God's word uh, I, I'm reminded of the first time that we were challenged when I was a kid we were challenged to to memorize scripture we were challenged to stay in the word of God when as a young adult and, and my children were small we were challenged to whether it was Master Life or whether it was one of these other studies, we were challenged to, to memorize the Word of God because 
in doing that, it, it helps you do the things that God's called you to do, whether it's rearing a family or whether it's working a job or whether it's serving in a church. It doesn't make a difference. I mean, God's word is God's word. It changes us. It's truth. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. It's reliable. It's the light that leads us in the right way. Word that I hid in my heart, that I hide in my heart, that's what's important. And it's at those times that we really need it, when we're down or when we're, when we're looking someplace for direction. Those are the kind of moments. I, listen, uh, as a pastor, I've been in ministry 40 years, and I found that God spoke to me more about speaking to other people, sharing the word. More came out of my quiet time with God, my time alone with God, than in the time that I would spend studying for something that I knew that God wanted me to say. More came out of that. I don't know about you, but I, I was one of those guys that had difficulty remembering things, much less memorizing things. But you know what? I, I, I have found that God is able. God's able to do things. And, and listen, here's the thing. God is working in our lives even when we don't see it. There's so much that goes on behind the scene or below the surface that you and I are so unaware of. I want you to take your Bibles and turn to Psalm chapter 19. Psalm chapter 19. And I want you to listen or follow along as I read about what God's word says about itself. Now, there are several different words that are used interchangeably here in this passage of scripture in its context that are, are really talking about the word of God. That's exactly what they're talking about. Beginning with verse number seven, chapter 19, beginning with verse number seven. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than the honey or than the honeycomb. Now, all of those words that are being used here are saying, here's what, here's what David is saying. David is saying, if you will remember my word and let my word lead you. Now, we can look all through uh, the Psalms and see the same idea. This afternoon, I went over to the book of Proverbs and I began reading in, at the first part of chapter 1. And it says the same thing. The second chapter, the third chapter, the fourth chapter, the fifth chapter. And he was saying that if you will remember my words, Solomon, my son, if you will remember my teachings, if you will remember what I say, listen, you will have insight, you will have knowledge, you will have wisdom. You'll have all these things. And so there's the, there's the appeal to remember what I'm telling you because what I'm telling you is for your good. And that's exactly what God does in his word. God is saying, what I'm saying is not to put on you some heavy load or burden. I'm saying this because it's good for you. 
It's good for you. It will help you. But listen, the Word of God is not going to help us unless we apply it to our lives. It's just more words on a page tonight. If we don't accept it as being the inerrant, inspired Word of God, we don't do anything with it. Verse 12 says, excuse me, go back. Verse number 11 says, Moreover by them your servant is warned. And in keeping them, there is great reward. Who can understand the error of his ways? And what is David doing? David is saying, cleanse me from my secret faults. David, the psalmist here, concerns himself with unintentional sin and high-handed infractions, which we find back in the book of Leviticus. And David, by God's grace and by God's provisions, deals with his sin and doesn't deny them. Blessed is the man who confesses and forsakes his sins and doesn't hide them. Here's the thing about that, folks. God already knows. He already knows. And what is he waiting for you and I to do as we read his word, as we worship the Lord, as we have communion and with prayer with him? What's he saying to us? He's saying, listen, I have my best for you to the end. You won't find anything better than here. R.G. Utley used to talk about when he was uh, at big church, before he died, he used to talk about uh, people would ask him, did you read this book or did you read that book, this new book? This, and that's one of the things about preachers when the new books come out, we read them and people ask us if we read them. Yeah, we read it. And R.G. Lee, somebody asked him and he got tired of it. And he said, let me tell you something. I don't see why I need to read through 20 yards of sewage to get a teaspoon of truth when I can go to the word of God. And you know, that's true. I like reading. I read a lot. But there's no better reading than this book right here. I started believing when I was 14 years old. I still believe it today. I still believe it today. Now, I want you to follow along with me because I'm going to share with you a principle from God's Word because God's Word is true. But I want you to look at the very last verse, verse 14, and listen to what he says. He says, let the words, and we sing this song, that's a song, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. My strength and my redeemer. Now in the book of Galatians, I believe the Bible clearly teaches us that God's word contains principles for us. And it's applying those principles that are practical to our lives that actually really change our lives. Remember David in Psalm chapter 1, he said, um, uh, Blessed is the man that doesn't sit in the seat of the scornful or stand in the way of sinners or walk in the path. Listen, he's saying this guy, if you keep from that, is blessed if he meditates on God's word day and night. And he's like a tree planted by a spring of water. Giving its, uh, make, giving its fruit in its season and its leaves, they don't ever wither. His son learned from his father and could say, in the book of Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, he could say, what is it that we need to do? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And don't lean 
on your own understanding. In all the ways, all the ways, everything that you do, if you'll acknowledge him, he will direct your path. And he's really talking about the word of God, what David had taught him and what he was learning. We know that all scripture is given by inspiration of God. I don't think there's anybody in this room that doesn't believe that, that it is God's word. Jesus said something that was a quote out of Psalm chapter uh, 119, verse 2. And Jesus said this in Luke chapter 28, which is, which is very, very good. Jesus said, blessed are they that know and do my will. Blessed are they who know what the word of God is and who apply it to their lives. Two things, knowing and doing the will, will of God. I think that will bring us much happiness. There's nothing greater than knowing that you're pleasing God. It's a great feeling. I may disappoint a lot of other people, but the thing that, that brings me joy is knowing that I have pleased God because that was God's will. There's a principle in the book of Galatians. And I, you don't have to turn there to chapter 6. It's the principle, because the Bible contains all these principles for you and I. There's a principle, and it's the principle of sowing and reaping. We all understand the principle of sowing and reaping. We know we reap what we sow. We reap more than what we sow. And we usually reap it later on at some time. That is a universal principle, not only uh, in, 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 with farming, but it's spiritually. I mean, it's just a principle that's out there. We do reap what we sow. But in Matthew's gospel, Jesus is teaching these 12 men some very important things. And he sandwiches in between talking about lost sheep and, and talking about the unforgiven, uh, talking about the unforgiven servant. He, he talks about dealing with, dealing with sin. You know, we're blessed if we don't hide our sin. When God shows us something out of his word, that we ought to take care of it. We ought to take care of it. Doesn't mean it's not going to come back, but it means we ought to take care of it. I, I think confession of sin is certainly in the Bible, and we certainly need to do that. We certainly need to do that with brothers and sisters in Christ. But turn with me to Matthew chapter 18, because there is a principle here. And Jesus does give an illustration. He tells a story because they, they just really weren't getting it. Now, this principle is the principle of forgiveness. And bottom line, the reason we don't usually forgive is because we don't want to humble ourselves. Because forgiving and asking forgiveness is a very humbling thing. Pride will keep us from doing it over and over again. Begin with verse 15. And I want us to look at a couple of things in this context. Because there are some things that are said here in this context that we take out of context and say a lot. But I want you to look at it in its context. And I want you to look at it where Jesus is saying these things. Moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you've gained your brother. But if he will not hear you, take with you one or two more 
that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. Now that comes out of Deuteronomy chapter 19, verse 15, where that's how they were told to deal with things. If there's a problem, this is what you need to do. And if he doesn't listen to you, then you need to take some other witnesses with you. Now the purpose is restoration. We all know that, right? The purpose of of doing this, what Jesus said to do, is restoration. And it's certainly in the context. And if he refuses to hear them, then tell it to the church. The church literally wasn't established yet. But the church are you and I, believers in Jesus Christ. We are the church. But if he refuses to hear the church, let him to be to you like a heathen or a tax collector. Here's what I want to ask you. Who did Jesus spend time with? Heathens and tax collectors. There's something here that we always overlook. Jesus isn't saying we don't have anything to do with them. See, the purpose is restoration. Two or three witnesses are, are with you to help encourage the right thing. And he's going to say it again. Verse 18, or surely I say to you that whatever you bind on earth, oh, by the way, uh, this verse, by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. Uh, this verse right here in verse 18, surely I say to you, whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. That's a verse that's taken out of Scripture a lot. In its context, he's talking about restoring someone. <laughs> it's about restoration. You can't take a principle of God out of its context and expect, expect application. It just doesn't happen. Not with, not with the Holy Spirit working. It just doesn't happen. Again, I say to you that if two, or th- uh, two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done to them by my Father in heaven. And then here's the other verse that's taken out of context many times. For where two or three of you are gathered together in my name, I am there in your midst. What is the context? The context, the context is restoring a brother. It's restoring someone to fellowship. That's what it's about. That's the context. You won't find this anywhere else. It's right here. That's the context. Well, Peter has a question then. Peter says, well, then how often should, I, should my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times. Now, let me tell you why Peter says that. Peter thought that he was being very generous by saying seven to Jesus. Rabbis, during Jesus' time, they cited several verses from the book of Amos, Amos chapter 1, verse 3, 6, 9, 11, 13. They taught that God only forgave Israel's enemies three times. And so Peter thought that if he said seven times, that you know, Jesus might say, good job, Peter. That's not what he says, though, is it? And Jesus says to him, no, I don't say up to seven times, but I say 70 times seven. Because the principle of reaping and sowing works in this grace um, of forgiveness that God is working and does uh, for you and I. And listen, we do reap what we sow. We reap more of it. And we reap it later on because that's what's going to happen to this guy that's about to be forgiven in Jesus' illustration. 
Therefore, he says, no, 70, 70 times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle his accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle his accounts, one was brought to him who owed 10,000 talents. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold. And his master commanded he be sold in, in, with his wife and his children and everything that he had so the payment would be made. And so what does he do? This man falls to his knees and he says, Master, have patience with me. See, he's saying something that's real important. Have patience with me and I will pay you all. Here's the thing. There's absolutely no way this guy could have ever paid this. No way. Would not have been possible. I'll pay you all that I owe. And then the master of that servant, he was moved with compassion. Now, keep this illustration in mind with what Jesus is trying to say in the context of being forgiving towards others. Because listen, one of the worst things in the church today is unforgiveness by people who have been wronged years ago who are being wronged, who wronged themselves, and they carry that baggage and still try to worship God and hear God's word and try to apply God's principles to their life, and they're miserable people. I know that. I've talked with many of them. But that certain servant, the guy that, that was forgiven, he goes out, and <laughs> look what he does. And he found a guy that owed a fellow uh, servant, one of his servants that owed him a hundred denarii. And he laid his hands on him. He took him by the throat and he said, pay me what you owe. So this fellow servant, he fell down, just, did just like he did to his knees. And he begged saying, have patience with me and I'll pay you all. He said the exact same thing <laughs> that the first guy said. But look at how he responds. Now this response is the same kind of response with unforgiveness. That's the point here. And he would not. But he went and he threw himself, went and he threw him into prison till he should pay all of his debt. So when his fellow servants, they saw what was being done, they were very grieved and they came and they told the master who forgave the first man Everything that had been done. The master, he afterward, then he calls him and he says to him, you wicked servant. Now listen. Here's what Jesus is saying. I have forgiven you the debt that you owed that you could not pay. You were spiritually bankrupt. You could not forgive your sin. I forgave your sin. I wiped it clean. And Jesus is saying here, you ought to be willing to forgive. Now listen, I know a lot about forgiveness because I've had to do a lot of it. And I've had to do it with a lot of terrible, terrible things. Prison kind of things. But you know what? It's a principle of God. It doesn't make any difference if I want to do it or not. It's still a principle of God. And I have to do it. But so do you, believe it or not. Because look at what Jesus says. 
if we're unwilling to do that. Now, I'm not saying this. I'm saying what is consistent with the word of God. And I think God's word changes us when we apply it to our lives. But talk about forgiveness is one thing, but actually doing it is another. And he says, the master went out and he called him and he said, you wicked servant, I forgave you all the debt because you begged me. Should you not have also had compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry. He does grieve God. And delivered him to the tormentors until he should pay all the debt that was due to him. And then he says in verse 35, which is it. This is the one that is hard for us to really get. So my heavenly father also will do to you from his heart does do to him that from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespass. Now I don't know about you. I've had some children of mine that have done some things I wasn't proud of. I've I've had them do things that not all of them, but some of them. Had them do some things that uh, brought disgrace. Family. I mean. But, what does God's word say about it? I could start being angry. Angry moved to bitterness. Bitterness moves, and it just keeps going down. Resentment and hostility and uh, end up having all kinds of problems medically, all because of harboring anger and bitterness and resentment and all these things. Or I could do what God's word says because I'm reminded of it. I don't know if you are. Hopefully you are. I'm reminded by God all the time. I forgave you, Bob. I forgave you. And so, Bob, you how can you how can you say that, that I am yours and you are mine if you don't do what I am told you to do? Blessed are they that know and do my will. You know, in this context, I think we see that this man reaped what he sowed. Certainly he reaped more than he sowed. And, and he did reap it later on because... He was put in prison. And I think the Lord is trying to say from his word, Bob, you will reap what you sow. If you look in the context over in Galatians when Paul Paul says in, in chapter 6, around verse 7, he says, be not deceived, God's not mocked, whatever you sow, you reap. <laughs> Chapter 5, he talks about whether you give to the flesh or whether you, well, it's a spirit's fruit to be in your life. But that deceived is a self-deception. Don't try to deceive yourself into thinking that it's not going to happen. Listen, God is who he is because he is. And if God says, because he's righteous, holy, and just, and if God says don't, God means don't. And I know everybody's not as hard-headed as me. But when he says it, that's exactly what he means. 
And we have a responsibility as God's children to remember that God has shown these things to us because he loves us. I know what it's like to be angry with a father most of my life. I grew up hating my dad. We did not get along at all. Uh, my anger turned internal so bad that uh, how bad I was in my thoughts. I, I thought of ways to kill my father. My dad knew all this. We talked about it later on when he was led to the Lord and I got to disciple him. But when, he, when I was young, I just hated him. I hated him. I just, I could never please him. I could never, you know, that's the kind of relationship we had. I know, I know what it's like to really hate and be unforgiving. I, I know. But I also learned what love was about when I came to Jesus and love forgives. It just forgives. And my dad, is, we, we have we sat down, he's dead now, but we, we, we were able to sit down, and I never saw my dad. My dad was a, a drill sergeant. He was tough. He was, he just, he was just hard. And we sat down. I never saw him cry. We never said, I love you, any of that stuff like that. And, and we sat down, and when he came to Christ, and, and I had the opportunity to, Take him through the Bible and show him how to trust God. And show him how to take God at his word to keep his word. And how important praying was. Real praying. And, and I would tell him things that I was angry of. I needed to tell him that because that's what this verse of scripture says. I went to him. Took a long time. And I said, Dad. I said, remember that time at Christmas time and I got that musket for Christmas and you said don't shoot it in the house and I shot it in the house I didn't really mean to I did have it loaded and cocked though you know you understand that and my dad took the gun took it outside and busted it on Christmas day well I remember that for a long time a long time and he said I don't remember that and then I shared something else and then it hit him I didn't even realize that. He did. Then I began to share other things. But you know what? That turned around. Something about when you do what God says to do, (laughs) when you do what God says to do, how it frees you. How it frees you. You reap what you sow, you reap more than you sow, and you reap it later on. But I'm going to tell you the thing that has been my salvation um, has been the Word of God. I say, listen, to young people, I've told ever since I was young and I was told it. I was told by a man when I was in the youth group, I, I never forgot it. He said, listen, there are, listen, here's where you start. There are 31 Proverbs in the book of Bible, in the 31 chapters in the book, read a proverb a day. And at 14 years old, I started it, and I still do it. Now, there are things in it that I don't have problems with like I used to have problems with, but still, because a proverb a day helps keep my mind right. It does. And I'm glad that guy said that. 
I'm glad I caught it. I don't know who else caught it, but I did. The Word of God changes us, but it only changes us if we apply it to our lives. And forgiveness, that's just one principle of God, one grace, one of God's graces in the Bible. Say a word of prayer. Father, thank you for this, this time tonight. I, I appreciate it. I thank you for the challenge that you um, have presented to me. And Lord, I know I'm not perfect, but thank you, Father, for helping me to be true to your word. Uh, continue to teach me, Lord, to respect it um, and apply its principles to my life because I know that you're at work at making me like Jesus Christ. I'm not what I used to be, and I could never be it again. Thank you, Father, that you remind us that we're the temple of God. We're the place that God dwells, the Holy Spirit dwells. May your word continue to be a light to my path. May I continue, Lord, to see the importance of hiding it in my heart and girding up the loins of my mind, Lord, with your truth. And I pray that for everybody here, God. Help us to follow your direction. In Jesus' name.